That's awesome. Well, guys, we're going to go ahead and uh, pivot ourselves towards the next uh, little area of uh, of questions and and answer, and we're going to get into uh, you know a little bit of the mental game here with uh, with Alan Jagger and uh, you know just to kind of get things kicked off and started off. I know you guys are all aware of who Alan is and what he's doing with you know, mindfulness training and, and what he's able to provide to the community through, through pitching, uh, information. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, I had told him recently that, that I love the most about Jager sports is that it's not just a company it's there, there's real people behind it who care so much about the people that are inside the community that he gets to provide to. And I think that's what makes him a, a premier separator in the game of baseball and in throwing sports in general is just how attached he is to the care and love of the people that he gets the chance to interact with. And, and from the first time that I, I've gotten a chance to speak with Alan, he's made me feel like the most important person in the room. So I appreciate everything that, that he's done to share with the game of baseball and to help build me up as a person as well, too. So, uh, Alan, I uh, wanted to bring you back in and get a little conversation going for ourselves on the, uh, the mental side of the game. Awesome, Kirk, and thank you for the kind words, and uh, that was really inspiring. Um, these stories are amazing, and I had one quick thought before we get to any questions, which is it is really amazing how people impression us along our path, and, um, and it inspires us to not only, you know, obviously help us grow, but in, in, tune, in turn, it, it's like the makeup for us wanting so deeply and passionately share with the next person, right? Like we want to impact kids because we were so impacted. And uh, I just think that paying it forward thing, I mean, it's very organic. We're not trying to pay it forward, so to speak, but we're doing it. But I just thought uh, hearing all these stories and, and the depth of how coaches or parents or people have impressioned all of us and truly to move us forward and, and take that that deep effect and, and then that affect the kids that we come across i mean it's uh it's inspiring man it's it's just it's deep stuff it's cool and um it's just great to hear everybody talk and everybody's talking with such passion and everybody's talking with such authenticity you can tell that they've really lived it and that's of course why we we love to coach we lived it we were affected and we want to affect people so Anyway, thanks again, Kirk, for doing this. And, uh, you know, anybody that's listening or on here, this is wide open. There's, there's not a bad question. Uh, you could talk about anything from meditation to visualization to the actual approach on the field, you know, what we call game management. Um, I put out a tweet earlier. If, if some of you want to talk about throwing or arm care or lead up or seven-day rotations, uh, relief pitcher protocols, it's all good. You know, I, I have a good hour or so and uh, for anybody that wants to stick around. So let's, Kirk, I'll turn it back over to you. And if you have a question, you can either raise your hand or you can just become a, a speaker through Kirk. Or if you want to do it through more of a DM and you don't want to speak, that's fine. But um, whatever's on your mind, uh, happy to talk about. Thank you, Alan. And, and just uh, echo what Alan had said. Uh, if anybody has any particular questions and you wanted to ask him yourself or ask anybody on the panel, um, you know, a question, Walter, Brian, or anybody that, that, you know, you feel like that you can get some value from and something to, to assist yourself in, feel free to request to speak and uh, we'll let you go ahead and ask the question. And then if not, uh, shoot it in a DM. But, you know, Alan, I wanted to start us off with uh, just a question towards you for myself. You know, what is the, what is the goal for what, you would like to bring towards, you know, mental awareness uh, to the game of baseball? What, what are you really working to do when, when you talk about the mental side of the game? What, what would you like to bring to baseball? Man, I, I wish I told you off line to ask that question because <laughs> uh, you're like a mind reader, man. Um, I, <laughs> it's exactly why I got into what, what I do um, because I feel like, uh, at least in the mental training field, you know, this is life stuff. Um, I feel like that really from the time we're all born, we all are in a position to, to grow, evolve. Um, I think we think in terms of more tangible stuff, physical stuff. Um, but I think what I'd like to see to really answer your question is this become part of the practice plan. Um, I, 
I wrote an article actually, if anybody's interested, it's called mental practice plan. And it was sort of a take off on the fact that we all go to, you know, to practice every day with a practice plan. And my whole, my whole thing is, is that how can a practice plan not include mental practice if the game is 99? Well, at the major league level, it's 99.9%. It's still 90% at the college level. And it's probably 75% or more at the high school level. So if the game is 75 to 99.9% mental, my question has always been, and I've been, I felt this way from day one is how is this not part of the practice plan? You know, we can lay out a three hour practice plan with the best of them. And, and don't get me wrong. You heard me say earlier how much I love reps. I love PFP. I, you know, there's not, I love ground balls. There's not a thing on the field. I, I, I don't think I wouldn't love to do. Um, so to me, it's like, it's not that we, we don't want to still highlight all the, the, the cool things about physical training, but I just don't understand how this is not normal. You know, you go to the field, you have a practice plan. There's got to be at least 15 to 20 minutes of your practice plan devoted to mental practice or mental training. There, to me, there's no gray area. Uh, you know, the, it's like the engine of the car is the mental game, and we're spending three hours on the tires and the upholstery. Um, it doesn't make any sense to me, and it never has. Uh, and that's, of course, because I've been so in, in, so deep into the mental game, and, and I've lived it for so long. Uh, and things are changing, obviously, for the better, which is great. But that, to me, would be still the challenge. Um, and, and, and again, back to the question, Kirk, is that um, I would hope coaches come to practice every day and they realize, wow, the, the most, the, the biggest impact I'm going to have on my players, not only career path, but on their lives, is going gonna, is gonna to teach them how to breathe and relax and slow down and quiet their minds, teach them where thoughts come from, you know, what why do we think ourselves into the future and into the past? Why do we think our way into distractions or why do, why, if we have a distraction, do we not know, do we not have any tools? Maybe unless you've done, you know, therapy or, or, or deep forms of me mental training practice, you know, we could be giving kids tools to teach them how to stay more in the present moment or, or how to deal with a distractive thought. Um, if you want to just talk in purely just the, just life and sports. Well, we could teach kids just how to be more relaxed, how to be more clear-minded, how to be more in the present, how to do with adversity better, how to do with distractions better, how to do with the future better, how to do with the past better. So, you know, these are all things that I call them skills. These are mental skills. And again, we work on physical skills. We don't think twice about that. And I just keep coming back to the same theme over and over. If you're a coach and I try to never put you know, guilt a coach to do this. But if you're a coach and you're going to spend X amount of time with a player, I just don't understand why X percent every single time, whether it's a private lesson or a group lesson or a team situation, how is there not some form of mental practice? And I will say this, and then we'll get hopefully to some questions here. The thing that has inspired me, you know, and you know how, you know, we've done a bunch of stuff with sheets and, and it's every single day now at Georgia going up with, with Jeremy. But I, I know from like a Scott Brown at Vanderbilt, um, you know, all of a sudden some form of mental practice is a daily part of their routine. I go back to 1992 with Rich Hill, whether it was at Cal Lutheran or USF or USD or now Hawaii, um, Rich Hill's program is going to do some kind of a of meditation every day. Now, I mean, those are two. I've talked to Ed Blankmeyer about at St. John's about him doing breathing exercises. So to me, um, this is starting to happen and I can feel it and I can see it by all the posts on Twitter all the, all the time with people laying kids down now. So I am encouraged. I am inspired. I do feel like this, this bridge is getting, this gap is getting bridged. Um, so that's exciting, but I, I know it was a long answer to pretty much say Kirk that that's what I want to see. I, I would, I want this to be, normal i don't want this to be unique that hey we do meditation with our program we do mental training we do visualization we, we teach breathing exercises that's wonderful like it's I'm, it inspires me it gives me goosebumps but i want it to get to a point where this is just normal like when you go to spring training and they're there for 30 or 40 days and they have seven hour days 
I, I have no, there's no concept to me. And don't get me wrong, because organizations now are bringing in meditation as part of the, the practice. But to me, this is every day, whether it's 12 minutes or four minutes or 17 minutes or 22 minutes, this is part of the day. This is part of the curriculum. There's zero gray area and there's zero debate for me. So now that we have that covered, we can now move to questions. <laughs> And uh, anybody that's on the panel that wants to feel free to ask a question to Alan, or like I said, anybody else that wants to request or uh, send a message, guys, feel free to send them in. Um, but, you know, Alan, just even based upon your your answer and sharing your heart with us about why the mental game is so important to you, you know, you, you spoke on it and touched on it, but you're know, talking about the 90% plus of how how much baseball is mental but yet we don't even practice 10 percent of our time in an area that holds such a high weight what where's the starting point where where's the baseline because a lot of people are so afraid to get started in things thinking that oh well i don't have the time educate us just briefly on how little time you have to to commit to at least get started because you don't have to get started with an hour symposium or anything it's it's a minute it's five minutes it's 10 minutes explain to us a little bit of the, the getting started with uh with mindfulness if for you don't sure mind. and i see albert has requested something so albert we're going to get to you next and cg i see your hand up so um another brilliant question kirk um because i remember funny speaking of usf nino gerentino was speaking at the abca and i'll never forget because they do a lot of uh, mental training up there, of course, with Craig being on here, it's a, it's a given. But um, and Nino said, to do any kind of mental training, you don't need to be a sports psychologist. Um, and I think possibly that the number one issue with coaches, and it's understandable, is a they they've maybe never done any work in the mental training field. They've maybe never studied breathing exercises or meditation, um, so it's new. And if it's new, it makes sense that it would be pretty tough to to teach something that you don't know much about or, or is new, or maybe it's just uncomfortable. I, I understand taking kids through a breathing exercise can, can be a challenge. So I would say that it's something that starts with, okay, I'm a head coach. I've studied the spin rate. I've studied Rapsodo. I've, I've studied lifting. I've studied base running. I've studied outfield play. I've studied pitching mechanics, right? All right. Now, let me start studying the mental game because that's ultimately the most important thing I'm going to teach in my career. And maybe it starts there that coaches have to come to that conclusion that it is the most important thing you're going to teach. And I think once they kind of get to that point, well, then they start feeling like, okay, great. Now I'm, I'm making this exciting, make this interesting. Like, Hey, it's a new, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a new class. I'm going to start reaching out to people on Twitter. I'm going to start emailing people. I'm going to start reaching out to people that are in this field. And I want to start learning about how do you teach the mental game. We, we have so much free information on the internet. It's unbelievable about how to take your players through a, a five minute breathing exercise or a 10 minute breathing exercise. So, um, you know, there's headspace, there's apps out there. So I think a lot of this just comes down to the coach, coach's volition to say, hey, I really want to invest in this. I want to invest in this for my kids. Um, and, and yes, maybe I'm not totally comfortable yet how to do it but I'm going to start going to work on that so that I feel comfortable talking about it. And I feel comfortable facilitating or guiding my players through a, a five minute breathing exercise. And as you said, Kirk, as you know, this is how it starts. It might start with just a, a five minute exercise, you know, inhale one, exhale two, inhale three, exhale four. You just, you teach your kids how to, how to count their breath to 20 or 30 it might take two or three minutes. And, that opens up this door that can open up a thousand doors like that's the, that's the it's like that's the portal right you you start by opening that door and just starting to even talk about it and i think something that sheets and i really hammered in our our several podcasts we've done and talks is that it's, it's vulnerability is a, is a wonderful thing kids pick up on that so if you don't feel so confident maybe walking kids through a breathing exercise. Um, it, maybe you don't know how to do it so well. Maybe you might fail a little bit or, or it might feel awkward. 
you're doing your best and, and you just say, guys, I'm going to do my best and I'm going to, we're just going to do this little breathing exercise and I'm learning as we go too. And, um, and it's just really about the doing. It's not whether you do it great or not. I think like anything in life, if you work at it, you'll tend to get better. I, I think it's more about kind of crossing that bridge and being vulnerable and saying, Hey, I'm not just going to talk about, you know, the mental game and how to be, you know, more focused between the lines. That's wonderful too. But uh, I guess going back to your, your point of the, the question, it's the mental practice. It's, it's, the, it's the stopping every day to breathe, to relax, to clear your mind, to get to know your body better, to get to be more in tune with your own spirit, your, your feel, your intuition, your, your wisdom, your, your art, artistic abilities. It's like, it's like there's so much there in all human beings that's waiting for us to be tapped into. Um, and I just feel like we have to stop and smell the flowers and, and, and take an inventory on wh what do we have and, and start tapping into it. I, I, I guess I'll, I'll end on that note and I'm trying to not be so long-winded here, but I feel like it what this is really coming down to is, is everybody just saying, hey, you know what, let's just stop. Let's stop and let's slow down, let's quiet down and let's give our minds, let's, let's give ourselves a chance to see what's going on in our minds and maybe learn some tools how to quiet our mind and relax our mind and relax our body and be more present and be less distracted by the future and past. And this is a practice, practice, practice. It is a, it is mental practice. It is no different, zero different than physical practice. It's reps, it's doing the work. And as a coach, it's saying, Hey, I want to bring this to my players because when they're 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, and so on, I want to feel like I gave them insight into this part of the world and this part of their growth. Um, so anyway, let's, let's, I think Albert had a, a question ready. So let's maybe rock, rock and roll with some questions. Well, uh, I'm going to get, I'm going to let, uh, sorry, Albert, uh, Greg had had his hand up first and I wanted to let him contribute and then we'll get to Albert and then Gail after that. Yeah, I'll, I'll, Albert and Gail, I'm sorry. I just wanted to just say like, I met Alan many years ago and I just reached out because I was afraid of this whole concept of like, what does this all mean? How do we do this? How do I implement this? How do I in integrate it into a, into my program when I was a high school baseball coach at a very high profile high school um, that required, like that, that expected us to win because Tom Brady and Barry Bonds went there. And I was like, well, how do I do this? Because these kids are so stressed out. There's, they, they, they think that they're gonna be the next Bonds and Brady, which is great, but how, how do I do it? And, and just what Alan said is just like, celebrate the imperfection of who you are and i told the fellows like listen i i'm not uh i'm not a i don't know how to teach mindfulness i don't know how to I, i'm just but i know that you guys need to relax because you're talented physically you guys are off the chart the talent's off the chart but i need you guys to slow down breathe relax and be able to perform um with the gift that you have, which is your athletic ability, but the environment can, can cripple. And we've all seen it, right? We've all seen uh, the environment neutralize the athletic ability of an elite talent, right? So, so I started laying these dudes down in high school and they were like, this dude's crazy. Like, and, and I did, Prior to that, though, I reached out to Alan and I had Alan. I asked him if he'd come out and work with my program. And he he came, him and China came to San Mateo, California, and they spent a whole day with our guys around obviously the band work and the long toss and the pull downs and all that great stuff. But the most profound takeaway for me was how Alan communicated to our guys and how they got our guys to relax and how lying down on their backs 
sinking into the raft, as Alan would say. Um, and then it, whether it was one minute or two minutes, and, and oftentimes we're, we're, we're thinking like, we got to do this like, like Alan does it. We got to do this like a, an expert does it. But we don't. We just got to do it. We just got to dive in and be show that, like, listen, we're not we don't we don't know, but we're going to all learn together and we're going to celebrate the imperfections of of like, I don't have it figured out. And but yet every player that I've ever coached that has gone through any any type of mindfulness, whether guided by an expert or guided by some some guy like myself that doesn't really know what he's doing. Um, but values the importance of like this, this stuff matters because we want you to compete with some confidence and some relaxation, some aggressiveness. Um, every kid that ever came out of that would always tell me, I feel more calm. I feel more relaxed. I feel more clear. I feel like I can breathe with more depth. And so so it was like, I was sold and dudes, kids would, I would do it. And, and, and the, the other thing is this, like start really, really small, two minutes to three minutes, three minutes to four minutes, four minutes to five minutes. And then who, next thing you know, these kids are sleeping and it's like, they need this more than anything in their life right now. So, and, and as adults, we need this. So it's, it, I adopted it and integrated it, but what I realized as much as maybe it was helping them selfishly, it was helping me more than anything. And so to this day, when I feel like I'm a, I'm an Italian, so I'm, I'm out of my mind. I got too much energy. I don't know what to do with it. And so I, I, I sort of get in my own way. And so then when I get like that, I call Alan and then Alan, as he knows, he calms me down and just hearing his voice relaxes me. So then I, I'm like, oh, I'm glad I called him. And then I feel better when I'm off the call. Uh, but anyways, and so anyways, that's all I got. But just start small, dive in. It's a difference maker. Um, and it, you guys, you guys, um, you just got to stick with it. If you value it enough and you build it into your practice plan, for three minutes a day, four minutes a day, and you stick with it, it just becomes like anything else. It becomes like BP. It becomes like infield work. It be anything else. It's just it's just the skill that becomes part of the fabric of your of your practice plan. So, anyways, thanks for letting me share. Thanks, CG. That was awesome. You're awesome. Big time. Thank you, Greg and Albert. Do you want to go ahead and uh, ask your question that you had? Yes, sir. Uh, hi, gentlemen. Um, my name is Coach Ellis, uh, formerly of the University of Pittsburgh All-American Track and Field, three USA teams, uh, track and field athlete that walked to the NFL, uh, walk on, never played before, played with Pittsburgh, New England. I'm original Panther from the first team of the Jets. I'm the lead scout here recruited for primetime scouting. So my question is, I have two athletes. One's a transfer athlete, one's a kid going to go off to school. How do I help them with the mental uh, game of prepping themselves to go and also prepping themselves to transfer without losing their mind? But also, how do I get them to focus on getting out of a batting slump? They both play defense well, but the batting slump get in their head that, okay, let it let the pitch come to you. How do I talk to them about that? Because baseball is not my expertise, and I need you guys' help. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Albert. Um, the first question I'll, I'll talk about briefly because that's that's <laughs> that's more complex, you know. Of course, dealing with transfers and 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 they're going off to school, you know. Clearly, clearly, you're gonna. Albert, can you mute your? So thank you. Um, the whole idea of, of of going off to school and and all that. I mean, these are obviously huge life lessons and and. Um, so my, my general response to that, and then I'll talk about the batting slump. Um, my general response to that is this goes back to education. Um, I, I'd sit down with my kids and I'd say, look, um, I just want to talk to you about, you know, couch it any way you want, the mental training field, sports psychology, um, 
mental practice, you know, just say, look, I want to talk to you a little bit about this other part of life. I mean, obviously, if they're going to college, this is not going to be new to them. And I think it's really more about a connection. It's maybe it's a great opportunity to connect with your kids, um, but it's to start educating them on things like, you know, what is meditation? What, what is breathing exercises? How can that be helpful for your, for your life and your well-being? Um, there's a lot of research actually done now also that shows that the benefits of meditation and, and mental well-being and mental health. So that's sort of like the main answer I'd give you for just general care of your kids, you know, that are getting ready to leave um, or if something comes up like a transfer deal, you know, the more you can give them a foundation now and prepare them, like just like preparing them for a game, um, then the more they can naturally navigate that stuff well. The slump to me is something that will be a theme. Probably any question that comes up tonight is going to come back to the same theme. So your question is really just going to spark um, the foundation of what we teach, which is slumps of any type, any sport, are essentially coming down, come down to the thinking. You're thinking about something. You're thinking about that you're slumping. You're thinking about your 0 for 4, your 1 for 28, whatever. It, it could be anything. The, the bottom line is this. A slump means that the, the, the mind is preoccupied with something that's going wrong or something that's negative. And so now you're in what I call a conversation with that part of you. The flip side to it is, is that when you're in what we call the process, and the process, of course, is a term that's been around forever. So we're not trying to claim that, you know, that we created that term, but we pound that term. <laughs> Trust me, that is a massive part of what we teach. And so what we do with athletes of any sport and, and really any walk of life, uh, if it's a attorney is arguing a case in court, I will get them to their process at some point. So it doesn't matter. It's universal. And so in a nutshell, a process for a hitter, as a hitter, my process would be take a deep breath because of my mental practice and meditation. Then I really wanted to see the ball well. And this is too deep to get into right now. But And there's an article on, that we have called Batter's Box Management if you want to check out. But it would be have a it would be breathe, see the ball well, and hit it hard. So I'm giving my mind three things to focus on that are going to contribute to me having a very successful at bat. So now the better I can stay in my process and start to dance with that topic and that become part of me, just like a thousand ground balls. Now my mind is the word I love is default. My mind is now defaulting to my process. That's what I know. Um, those are constants. Uh, and once I have my constants in place, these three things, and they could be any three things for anybody, everything else becomes a variable. So now you can say, yeah, but you're 0 for 5. It doesn't matter to me. I have to breathe. I have to see the ball well. I have to hit it hard. You can say, yeah, but you're playing the number one team in the country. Yeah. Well, for me to have a successful at bat or to execute my plan, I have to breathe. I have to see the ball well. I have to hit it hard. Yeah, but there's 10 scouts in the stands. Okay, so the variables are, there's a billion variables that are interchangeable. And my advice is if you have kids that are slumping is to first explain to them that they're, they don't they have probably not identified their process and they, they're not aware of that there is a process to be identified and then to commit to. And instead, the mind is going into something else and that something else I actually use a, a term for, I call it drama. And drama is pretty much anything that is not in your process. And the mind will tend to want to play in that world of drama because drama, even though it's not necessarily helpful, it's like candy. It's like, yeah, I'm four for four. If I get another hit, that's exciting. Or I'm, I'm over 20 and I need a hit. That's drama. And so in a nutshell, just we can get to some other questions, Albert. I hope that was helpful. But the slump, remember, means that your kids are not in their process they're not aware. Aware is a massive word in the human, in the human, and just just in our vocabulary to be aware of is the word aware. And I think until players become aware, coaches become aware of this idea of really knowing what the process for each player is, um, the mind has supposedly, according to research, seventy thousand thoughts a day. 
um, there's a lot of potential drama in there. Um, there's, there's, again, there's a, there's a billion interchangeable variables in life. And I'm asking the players to identify three constants that they've agreed lead to the best execution of their plan. What a relief, by the way, to the mind. I only have to focus on three things and master those three things. I don't have to control a billion interchangeable variables. So in a nutshell, I hope that helps. And I hope that helps regarding any themes going forward with any other questions. So let's um, maybe Kirk, we can get on to, I think it was Gail was also had a question. Yes. Um, hi, how are hi, you, Gail. Mr. Yeager? Um, may I offer something, Mr. Yeager, sure. very quickly? Okay, so I do a lot of work around breath work and and I teach students, so I do not have the um, as you would say the um, the background that you have, sir. So um, please excuse me, but um, what I would offer to the gentleman that was just here and anyone everything starts with your breath. Before you get to your mind before you get to anything else, everything starts with your breath. I've been doing this work. Um, I do a lot of work with the UN and um, I work with a lot of people out of India. A lot of the teachers and the courses I've taken and I bring it to my students. I would beg to differ. I think as Americans we're, you know, it's just like if you go to, um, let's say South America, they're used to a different way of being. As Americans, we're on the go. We're, you know, um, Europeans, you know, all of us in the Western side, we're used to constant um, productivity, productivity, even in our sports. And so when you're looking at things from a sporting point of view, um, the mind has a lot to do with what's going on in the body physiologically, but there's also the spiritual side too. And so if you want to quiet your mind, you, you, sometimes it's good to give your mind freedom. And so when you start with your breath, there's a very simplistic way to get your students or anyone, as a matter of fact, involved in dealing with meditation because meditation can be two types it can be mindfulness or it can be as many of the uh, asian culture practice the breath work and i think it's really great to start with the breath work because then you can deal with and quiet your body to allow it to deal with whatever comes up so this alternate nostril breathing and that's where you take the first two fingers the the, the pinky and the uh thumb and you place it on both sides of the nostril with your, no, your uh, mouth closed, sitting straight up or in a lotus position on the, on the floor. And you're simply putting the other three fingers above the nose. And you're like literally breathing in through the left while the thumb is on the right and then breathing out through the right and then breathing again up through the right and out through the left. And that all, and, and you can also Google this because it's, it's a common practice. If you do alternate nostril breathing for literally one minute or even two minutes, it actually allows you to quiet your body down in your mind. Your thoughts may still be racing. I doubt it, but even people who have done it the first time it does, and then it allows for Mr. Yeager's work to come in because sometimes some people just don't know how to settle down. And I found with the youth, they just settle down. I mean, it's, it's immediate, you know, and it is an Eastern philosophy. But it, I find that it works. And then the other thing I would just offer is you are what you eat. So in sports, we're often into a lot of meat. There's something called no meat athlete out there. I have to have my meat at times, so I can't lie about that. Um, I'm a pescatarian, vegetarian, but if I you listen to your body, you are what you eat. So if you are eating uh, candy and Mr. Yeager's trying to work with you and you just had a whole bunch of candy, well, when Mr. Yeager is working with you, you're going to be as jumpy as a jumping bean. So it's often best to start out with something, not even carbohydrates, but vegetables or things like that. You know, what you start your morning off with is where you're going to get your nutrition. And if you start breathing, even if you just wake up breathing slowly, but that alternate nostril breathing will really quiet you down within two minutes. So I just wanted to offer that, sir. That awesome, Gail. Thank you so much. And uh, I studied yoga in the early 1990s, and yoga was part of our training for a good 15 to 20 years. So uh, I've done a lot of work in the yoga world. I've done a lot of work actually with breath work as well. And so I'm glad that you 
brought that up. We haven't got a question yet on mental practice, but as Gail said, um, clearly the breath is, I, I could talk for, as Gail I know would want to as well, I could talk for hours on the, the role of the breath alone. And that's why in, in just about any meditation that you do any research upon, um, it's usually going to start with some form of breath work. And, and so you can maybe Google alternate nostril breathing. I've done that as well. Um, so for those of you that are on the call, um, you might make a note or Kirk, you can put it somewhere, um, alternate nostril breathing. But again, in that mental practice plan I referred to earlier, there is a guided 10 minute breathing exercise in there as well. Um, so I think from by Gail bringing this to our attention and, I, and it was gonna go here anyway, because mental practice is such a huge deal. I would just say that, um, Please get a if you get a chance, please check out that article. And, and look, you can go to YouTube nowadays. You can go to Google. Um, there are countless resources out there. Again, as we talked about earlier, if you feel a little vulnerable about how to implement a men mental practice session with your kids, I'm just telling you, there's endless amounts of material and information out there. And I think it just comes down to really being motivated to do it. So um, do we have any other questions in here? Kurt? I did, I did get a question. Uh, many players will love and understand the meditation. How do you handle players who their parents think this is a joke since their parents were never taught this? You know, their friends, parents laugh saying get tough and just yeah. handle it. Well, if you can imagine starting in 1990, um, when this was not very mainstream, um, right or wrong, clearly I, I had to, you know, reminds me a little bit of long toss and even band work back in the nineties, you know, this is, this is stuff that, um, was new. Um, and so you feel like you have to, you know, do a lot of education and stuff like that. So I've had, I've had that question come up enough to where I, I fortunately have a pretty canned answer, but I, I use, I use the concept this way. <laughs> I try to just use logic, whether it's the player, whether it's the coach, whether it's the parents, I just try to keep it simple. And I usually come to, I usually come at it from one of a few ways. So I'll give you one way. One way is as follows. I'll ask the player or the parent, whoever, I will say, look, if you knew your son could be 30% more relaxed or more clear-minded or less stressed at the plate, not to mention the classroom, not to mention in life going forward. Um, and I gave you a, a, a two minute practice. It could be standing on your head. It could be watching a sunset, whatever. If I just told you to do something for two minutes and you knew it was going to have that effect on your son, I go, would you invest into it? Would you do it? And I try to, without being passive aggressive, I try to put it out in a way where it's just like, oh, one plus one equals two, and they get it, as opposed to me trying to shove it down people's throats. And I found that very effective because I, I don't think there's many human beings out there that would not want to be A, more relaxed, B, more clear-minded, C, less stress, D, more in the present moment, E, more discipline, F, more confidence, G, more happy, H, more peaceful, I, more gratified, right i can go down i can go to z i can pick any skill or any fabric of a characteristic and just say would you like to improve in that area now they may say well i don't have any room for improvement i'm as clear as i can be i can say okay well if that's true maybe you want to sustain that clarity in case something rough comes up tomorrow or the next day or maybe if you're great in clarity, maybe we can focus on confidence. Or if you're great in confidence, maybe we can focus on discipline, right? So it's never ending. And so I guess that would be my one answer to the question out there. Um, as I just try to use logic, I'm, I'm very um, um, non-threatening about my communication. I try to, again, make this just as clear and simple as possible. And so they figure it out like, oh, wow, I didn't, I didn't think of it that way. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you, Alan. I really appreciate you diving into that question and, and helping bring some light towards 
you know, just unfortunately the stigma that still is attached towards growth. Um, and, and especially from just my personal perspective with going down this road of opening doors, like you, you said, and then when you open that door, a hundred more are opened, you know, we try to do a lot of this stuff in the dark and figure it out on our own when in reality, the paths have been laid before us. And it's not like even, even yourself having said, you know, getting started in the nineties, it's not like this just got started yesterday. This information has been out and prevalent in all areas of, of, of personal growth, mind growth, and just self growth. And it's completely applicable to the game of baseball, which is again, such a high percentage level of, uh, of a mental game. So, uh, you know, we, we need you and we need all the people that have this information to continue sharing it the way that you have. And man, we, I appreciate you again, that you've been doing this for 30 plus years because it, it's, it's crazy as it is that you you've stuck with it. Something that you believe in so much that's about to probably have its biggest explosion it's ever had over the next couple of years. Well, I would say this, you know, I, I think of like the Ken Revis's, you know, before, me and uh, I think about all the people out there on the front lines, the Craig Giannino's, the Andy McKay's, the Brian Keynes, the Brett McCabe's, you know, there's, there are so many people out there, fortunately, that are doing this. And, and what I guess what's really made this gratifying for me starting in, again in 1990, when honestly, you, you, you would have thought you were speaking a different language. Um, I mean, just people, I think people thought sports psychology and mental training was really for people that had a, pro, you know, a serious problem. And I've always looked at the other way, you know, the mental game, mental training is for everyone. And um, sure, do some people maybe have to deal with what's called, you know, more of a corrective issue? Absolutely. But I think most of mental training is more for enhancement or, you know, dealing with everyday stuff, you know, stress anxiety, the future, the past, things that are out of your control that you're trying to control. So I, I feel lucky that obviously there was a, a trail blaze before me, but to be honest with you, a lot of this stuff has been around for thousands of years. You know, yoga has been around for so long. You know, the idea of meditation has been around forever. Um, so I don't, I don't think it's so much about, like you said, that it, it's not that it's not been around. I just think it's for whatever reason, it's just taken society longer to see this as just normal and just see it as part of who we are as people and part of our growth and development. That I think that goes back to something I said earlier. Um, I just look at a practice plan as just practice plan means everything. You're practicing everything, um, especially if the game's look, if between the line, the game is going to be 90% or more, it, it, there's just, doesn't make any sense to not practice anything on it in your practice plan. So um, I do feel like it is trending heavily in that direction now. I feel like, you know, sports psychology is everywhere. I feel like yoga is everywhere. I feel like breathing and breath work and things like that are everywhere. Um, I think the world with COVID uh, has become even more open to you know, the idea of mental health matters. Mental health is important. Um, it's, it's, people are, are more free than ever to talk about this. And, and of course we need, we want people to talk about this. And that's why meetings like this are incredible because whether there's four people on this or 400, um, you know, people talk to people who talk to people who talk to people. Um, that's how things get around in the world. Um, and I feel like starting in 1990, I've seen it and it's growing exponentially now, which is, which is cool. So that's why I kind of keep, keep coming back to this theme. If you're a coach, especially if you're on this call and a lot of coaches on this call may already be doing this, but, uh, or if you're a player, make it part of your, not week bi-weekly. <laughs> the day you eat every day, you drink every day. If you're a hitter, you probably hit every day. To me, I don't understand why you wouldn't work on your mind every day or you wouldn't work on your, you know, your psychology or your spirituality or your emotions or whatever. You know, it's all under the same kind of umbrella. It's, it's mental health, it's mental development. And um, I just hope that 
you know, and, and I love like what Craig's doing, like with the ABCA. I mean, to think that, you know, whatever it was three or four years ago, Craig started a leadership um, hot stove and I was actually at it. I don't know if it was the first one, Craig, but it, you know, there was, you know, there was like 50 people, which was great. It was the first time and it was new and people were learning about it. And this past um, ABCA convention, there were like 800 people or more in the room. And even though it's under the topic of leadership, um, you know, there's also, it's got a heavy mental training, you know, a, a piece as well. So um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited and I'm happy. And for everybody that's been on this call, I mean, uh, it, it means a lot because I feel like that um, this is how things get moved. You know, it, it always takes a village and um, uh, everybody on this call is, is impacting people every single day of their lives. And that's what we're doing is we're just all, we're all just trying to pull the rope and, and do our part. So um, these kinds of things are very inspiring. I think you hit the hit the nail on the head, Alan, with just, you know, building community through conversation. And, uh, you know, it, it, it doesn't even have to be anything of being like minded, but just being open minded enough to have conversations about things that we don't understand and trying to get a little bit more perspective on those things and seeing how it can be an ounce applicable to your own life. So, you know, again, kudos to you for continuing to push the needle forward. And I, I wanted to uh, to invite my favorite uh, retired F-18 uh, you know, fighter pilot uh, in here to uh, to give us a, a little question Absolutely. for you, Alan. <laughs> oh, thanks i appreciate that hey alan how you doing buddy we we alan and i talk way too much offline oh, yeah. anyway so oh, yeah. it's not it's, yeah <laughs> um I, what the reason i raised my hand and i wanted to speak um was really to your to your first to, to the question about if you've got parents who look at this and say you know what the heck what this is this is crazy i was never taught this um you know, this is this mental side. We have to remember um, in explaining this, there are so many industries that do this. And and as an F-18 pilot, um, I'll tell you, we did it all the time. This is not new by any stretch of the imagination. I, I would tell any parent who says, yeah, this doesn't work. I would say go find a documentary on the Blue Angels in which before every single show, they sit in chairs, they fly their entire show, moving their hands, their eyes are closed, they make their calls, they go through the entire show. And if you think, if you don't think most jet jocks are not manly kind of type guys you, you're wrong okay so there's there's nothing wrong with this um it goes back years decades centuries um most people you've probably heard of tai chi or chi in karate um i was a black belt in in kempo and we use chi does anybody know what the word chi actually means it means breathe it, it, yeah, it, it, the actual literal translation is breathe or air. It, it is about energy, but it's air like or it. breathe. And, and that, <laughs> I mean, uh, we're talking centuries, it says, oh, old. Um, this is not anything that's new. Um, I've always, I was always surprised when I heard about this coming into the 90s into sports and people thought this was so radical. Uh, it amazed me as a, as a guy who did it every day. I mean, if we were flying a low level flight, I flew the entire flight sitting in my chair in, in my bunk room, the whole thing, because I'm doing 600 knots, which is 670 miles an hour, 200 feet above the ground. Um, I gotta be fully aware of what I'm, what I'm doing fully. I have had to see it before. I've had to visualize it. I've had to visualize what I'm going to see, how I'm going to see it, when I'm going to see it, what the angles are going to look like, everything. And it's no different than getting up to bat. It's no different 
than throwing a pitch. We, we want to see it in our mind, then we release it, and then we do it. Um, I don't know if anybody brought this up. I jumped into the room a little late, but I, probably not. But there was a study done by an Australian um, sports psychologist. Does anybody know it, where he had three groups of basketball players? Um, but it, and it's a famous thing where he had one group throw free throws. He had one group for a month sit on the sit on the sidelines just in the bleachers and throw free throws in their brain. They they weren't allowed to touch a basketball. And then they had a third group, they they threw no free throws the entire month. Group one. Their, their, their percentage of increase of shots went up 24% where they practiced every day. The last group where they didn't, their, their shots actually went down by like 13%. The second group in which they only did it visually in their brain, do you know that they increased the percentage of free throws by 23%, 1% less? 1% less than the people who did it for an entire month with a real basketball. That's, that is insane power yes. of your mind. And so get, Alan and I, <laughs> we, we text back and forth. We get into some really good stuff and it's wonderful. Alan, keep it up. Love it. Um, I would just say to any parent who doesn't believe in this, there's so much that goes back centuries um, in, in various industries. And as a guy who flew off the deck of an aircraft carrier, getting launched off, I guarantee you almost everybody in our squadron used it. We were taught it. Um, we, we visually, we would walk around in circles out in the, out in the front yard of our barracks, pretending to land aboard an aircraft carrier with, you know, I mean, we look like idiots. People used to laugh at us, but if we had to visualize, you had to do it. And when I, my first time landing aboard an aircraft carrier, it was just like rote memory. I, I didn't even think, oh my God, this is my first time. And my 570th carrier landing was the exact same. So I just, I'll just put that out there that boy, there's, there should nothing that we that should lend peace to this because it's part of many, many industries done many, many times for, for decades and centuries. And I'll let you guys go. Thanks. Awesome, Doug, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. I called you Doug again. I Drew. Sorry, Drew. So I, actually, it's Doug between you and me now. You're, you're just going to be Doug. But um, no, this is what this call is for, for people to contribute and share their, their stories and their their insights. So it's very, very powerful stuff. And yes, I love when you talk about those studies. Um, so thanks, brother. Um, I've got two DMs here uh, on Twitter. That I, I didn't even check. Sorry, but I'm, I'll get to those. And just so everybody knows, we're at seven o'clock here on, in LA. So we have I have till seven fifteen. So we're just about there. So for those of you that have been hanging in there all this whole time, thank you very much. Um, I've got two two questions. I'll repeat them and I'll get to those, and then I think we're pretty much going to wrap up. Um, um, so hang on one sec. First question is. Um, how important is it to have a mental reset between swings or pitches? And I would sort of um, refer back to something I said earlier uh, about the process, which is um, between pitches, whether you're a hitter or a pitcher or even a position player, uh, the idea is that if you have a process, again, as a hitter, breathe, you know, see the ball well, hit it hard. As a pitcher, it's breathe, have a focal point, attack the focal point. That, that's my process as a hitter and a pitcher. I have a process, by the way, on a four-foot putt. I have a, I have a process for essentially anything I'm going to do in sports. And theoretically, I have a process for things I'm going to do with in life. So if I know my process, and again, the process is those one, two, or three things that are going to lead me to executing the best plan of my life. Um, well, if I know it's to take a breath, if I know it's to see the ball well, I know it's to hit the ball hard, whatever happened on the previous pitch, if I step out, I'm going to get my sign from my coach. I might evaluate the situation. I might evaluate the count, get my plan. And then once I get in the box, I want to go to autopilot. There you go, Drew. I want to go to autopilot and trust my plan, trust my process. 
So that would be one way to answer the question. Is it good to have a reset between pitches? I'd say yes. Um, the cool thing is, is the, the more intimate you get with your process, the more you become your process, it's like riding a bike, right? You don't really even have to think about it very much between pitches because you're just doing it, which is a great place to be because you're doing it as opposed to thinking about a million different variables, right? Um, question two, I'm gonna take my phone with me now. Uh, that was from Eric Folks. Eric, I hope that helped. If not, send me another DM and <laughs> we could try it again. This is from James Coates. James, what does a pre-pitching breathing exercise look like? I would just again say more of the same. Um, know your process. If taking a breath is a key component of your process, which I can see why it would be, um, the type of breathing exercise really would depend on what kind of breath you want to take, you know, um, and when do you want to take it? And are you aware of taking it in a kind of a consistent rhythm? Like step off the mound, take a breath, step on the mound, get your sign, right? So there might be a rhythm that you do every time. So it becomes very routine. Um, so I would say that would be kind of a pre-pitch routine. But again, I, I, I've been working the last seven or eight years with players. I have spent years working with players on their mental game approach and pretty much everything I worked on all those years has now come really down to a, a 10 minute conversation. Identify your process, whatever it is, it could be click your heels together three times, whatever your process is to prepare you to execute the best pitch of your life, not only now, but forever. Once you know that that's like the secret, once you have your secret, which is really not a secret because you already know what it is if you just think about it. But once you have in play your process, that's your default. And that's where you want to go. And the reason it's so important to have a process for the sake of a process, but it's so important because if your mind decides to go into the future or go into the past or think about the scout in the stands, you can now label that all as a variable. It's all the same variables. They're just interchanging. And now you have what I call constants. Remember, the process is made up of a few constants that are knowable that you've said lead to the greatest pitch or at bat or putt of your life. Not me, not your coach, not your parents. And I got to tell you one other thing while I'm on this topic. When I have asked players to tell me what their process is, it is remarkable how quickly they know it. And the reason they know it is because they have, all they have to do is look back at a great game and say, oh, well, when I was locked in or I was in the zone, I was just trusting the moment or I was just attacking the glove and nothing else mattered. So the players will actually know what their process is usually really quickly. Sometimes I have to give them a, a few hints and say, well, the process is sort of, sort of like this. So uh, as a side note with coaches that are on this, players that are on this, remember there's sort of two main angles in the mental game. First angle is your practice. What are you doing every day to practice, to develop these skills, uh, whether it's breath work, whether it's breathing, whether it's visualization. And the second part of the mental game is game management. What are you doing in the game to manage the game in the most optimal way? And, and after 32 years of doing this, I can tell you that it has all whittled down to, not that there aren't other things to troubleshoot in the mental game, but it's essentially whittled down to getting the players to identify their process in the batter's box, on the mound, on defense. It could even be a secondary lead. It doesn't matter identify your process, be great at your process, and start to recognize that your process is full of a couple of constants. And if anything else comes up in your mind, which may come up and that's fine, start labeling all of those as just variables or what I called earlier drama. So the game to me now comes down to identify your process and be great at it. Everything else to me is a variable. Everything else is drama. And that's where I want the players to be. And by the way, I said this earlier, it's also a relief to the athlete 
when they know that all they have to do today is master two or three constants that are controllable versus have to master a million interchangeable variables that for the most part are uncontrollable. And so that again, and that is also that information in that mental practice plan article, I do get into the process besides talking about that breathing exercise. So CJ, I think, I know we're getting close here. We got a few minutes. Did you want to add something? I'd look like you wanted to chime in. No, I just, you fire me up. I just wanted to, to take it a step further based on what you're talking about. Um, constants for variables and, and, and tapping into this idea of, of, of manifesting this belief in ourselves. And so the last four weeks leading up to the season, we've met every Saturday with our guys and about five, six guys that present every week. We have an hour meeting with our guys and what they do is they, they, they share a defining moment with, with, with me in a video clip and they summarize it and they stand up in front of their teammates and they talk a little bit about why it's their defining moment and why, uh, why they chose this moment. And every single moment, it's been three weeks now, we've had about 16 to 20 guys share their moments. Every player speaks about the struggle they've gone through um, before this moment that they arrived to. And so it speaks to everything you're talking about. It isn't until, you know, when does that light bulb go on for a guy? When does it, when does the breathing work for them? When do they see the value in the work that they do ment mentally and mindfully? But to see them share this moment for today, for example, today a, a kid was sharing a moment. Last year we opened up at UCLA, number two team in the country, on the road at UCLA, and it was the ninth inning. We were ahead, and Christian Stapleton, a left-handed hitter, came. He shared it said this morning in our meeting, and he talked about he got it was a it was a three-two count, two outs, bags loaded. We were we had the lead, and we needed to add some runs to put the game away, and. And he got a good pitch to hit, and and uh, he trusted his 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 approach. He trusted his process, and he talked a little bit about his process and why he believed in his process. And and for him, it was like it was all recorded in his mind, and he just had to hit play and, and let it happen. And he he and he even says it's like it was a it was a shitty rollover line drive to right field, but it got the job done. And you know, it it's just the just the power of the mind and it's elusive. It's, you know, it's, we want to go out there and we want to see the tangible things like the ball flight and the exit VLO and the spin rate. But this, this is the powerful stuff and the magic that happens. And I just, I, I, I'm all in and I just uh, hope that everybody, I, I know that everybody on this call is, is uh, like-minded and we're all, we're all sort of moving in the same direction, but to see the players share their experiences and what, how, it, how the mind works for them and when it clicks for them is pretty special to, to be a part of just to, just to sort of see that light bulb go on and that sort of aha moment and that click. So anyways, thank you. Thanks for sharing brother. Um, you're awesome and uh, inspiring. <laughs> um, I'm going to turn over to Kirk. I, I just want to take a second. Um, I want to take a second before I turn over to Kirk to CG. Can you mute yourself? Thanks, man. Um, just wanted to thank everybody for, for being on. I want to thank especially Kirk for impromptu throwing a Q&A out there. Um, you know, I feel like not being at the ABCA this year, I, I missed being at the booth and connecting with coaches. And so um, just an awesome opportunity to connect with with so many. And thank you for the first part. I, I just hearing everybody's stories. It's just heartfelt and it's inspiring. And uh, 
and and good luck to everybody out there. For those of you, I, I'm assuming everybody is on Twitter. Um, we're pretty easy to track down. Our DMs are open. So if you have a follow-up question um, regarding anything that was brought up today, um, or you want to know where some of these links are, uh, just feel free to reach out to us. Just know that if you Google pretty much Jager mental training, meditation, anything um, between YouTube and our website, uh, we really have a lot of free uh, information and resources. So uh, thanks again, Brian, Walter, thank you guys for sharing. And, um, and Drew and Gail, thank you guys for sharing. And uh, Chris, good to see you as well, buddy. And um, everybody be well, good luck. And uh, we'll, we'll all be in touch. And thanks again to you, Kirk. Absolutely. Thank you, Alan. And I uh, just will echo the sentiments of saying thank you to everybody who's been with us this whole way, jumped in at any single portion. It's uh, too much appreciated. And, uh, you know, to leave us with uh, what Alan likes to say, you know, we become what we practice. And there is so much in this life that people don't agree upon. But in reality, one of the only things that people have always agreed upon in some different form or another or how they say it in any different name, it's thoughts become things, you know, uh, we are what we think about, you know, you become what you practice. And ultimately, what we continue doing, we will become. And uh, I thank you guys for taking this journey with us and being on this, uh, on this call, especially this long. You guys have yourself a great week and uh, looking forward to next week's session and have, have a good one going on. So appreciate everybody's time and thankful for everybody as always. Take care.